good to see you. My name is Brian, one of the pastors here at the Summit. So glad to see many familiar faces, many faces I've never seen before. Um, with that in mind, before I even jump into it, let me just do one more kind of push of something you can get involved at. Uh, it's actually in about an hour or so. Uh, we're going to be doing a summit class. A summit class is basically an opportunity for you to move from being sort of a spectator of what's going on here to being a participant. That's really our heart. That's really our desire. Uh, and it's just a meal after the gathering for about 45 minutes where we talk about what does it mean for you to really commit and to belong here uh, at the summit. We, we try to take care of all the logistics for you. So um, you know, like I know you, all of you will probably eat lunch today. You don't have to make lunch. We'll actually prepare it for you unless you got like a personal chef at your house. I don't think any of you do. If you do, I'm coming with you and I'm skipping the summit class. But for the rest of you uh, who aren't in the 1%, we'll have food for you, okay? Uh, we'll also watch your kids. Parents will watch your kids. So this is like a date night pretty much. Um, we'll be there and I'll be talking, but it's pretty much a date night. So we'll watch your kids as well. And it's like 45 minutes after, right afterwards. Please help us help you get connected. When people leave, instead of going left, immediately just go right, grab a seat, grab some food, and uh, just learn what does it mean to, to get really uh, involved here at the summit. Um, gosh, it is good to be here. I was out of town this week um, traveling. I did a three-day kind of whirlwind trip to North Carolina uh, to where uh, our, the church actually that started us. And it, I feel like it was kind of in God's kindness and his sovereignty that as we talk about where we're going this year, I had this opportunity to return back to our roots, and uh, even Megan and I, we drove around to like all of our old apartments, like the apartment we first lived in when we were married, and the apartment where the church first started meeting, when it was like literally three of us eating lasagna and talking about what if we started a church in Denver, and, uh, and even being back at the church that started us and seeing all that's happened, I just feel like um, it, it was really in God's timing that that would happen. I feel like kind of on, on the back heel of that, back end of that uh, trip, there's maybe three things that I wanted you to know, and then we'll kind of jump into what we're talking about. Um, the first is I feel like pretty delirious and tired. I feel like the two-hour time difference isn't enough for anybody to feel sorry for you, but it's like enough to like totally wreck your body. Um, particularly when you travel with a two-year-old, I'm really glad that our daughter came. I know some of you parents even do like the co-sleeping thing. I'm not sure how you do it, so we like slept with Hannah I'll just kind of give you a glimpse into what my sleeping situation was like so that if I say anything crazy, you know where it's coming from, okay? So I'm laying there, um, have Hannah next to me. We're trying to fall asleep. She's going berserk. And so it's like I start singing, and I start telling her stories that I'm making up. I think they were pretty good stories and pretty good singing. And uh, she says, she's kind of just at the age where she can, like, start, like, stringing together multiple words. And she's like, no talk, Daddy. No talk, Daddy. I'm like, okay, I'll be quiet. You know, I'll be quiet. Okay. So I stop talking. <laughs> And then, uh, and then we're like silent. You know, my feelings are like a little bit hurt and I'm laying there, we're silent. And like 15 seconds later, Hannah says the sweetest thing I think I've ever heard her say. She says, daddy, hand, daddy, hand. So it's like, okay, like you just want to be quiet and hold hands as we fall asleep. Like that's the sweetest thing. So I reach out my hand and I feel her. She doesn't like grab it, but she's going like this on my hand. And I'm like, what is going on? And then finally I feel this like giant wet thing go across my palm and then she giggles and goes, Daddy Booger. <laughs> so anyways, that was my sleep situation for the last 72 two hours or so. So if I say anything crazy, that's where it's coming from. You can blame it on my, my two-year-old. The second thing, uh, I'm deeply encouraged, not just deeply tired, but deeply encouraged and excited as well. Um, a lot of you don't know our story, but we were started out of this church that had this really crazy vision to start a thousand churches uh, in the next 40 years. Um, the craziest part about that is we were actually the first church of that thousand. Um, so it was really crazy to come back and feel like 
It's amazing since we've been gone, all that God has done. In fact, um, through the number of churches that were started, there was something started called the Summit Network as well, because the church that started us was also called the Summit. We're the only other ones actually named Summit. But they're just telling us some of the things that have happened since the five years uh, that we left. Um, 26 churches have been started. Uh, Those 26 churches have a shared average weekly attendance of 4,900 people, so almost 5,000 people, which is a megachurch, but the really cool thing is this is actually better and healthier than a megachurch because there's multiple gatherings across the country as well. Those uh, churches baptized 400 people last year, and in the coming year, uh, we will be part of helping start churches in Los Angeles, Brooklyn, Orlando, coming for you, Mickey Mouse, and, uh, and Denver as well, which we'll talk about how we are uniquely kind of part of starting a new church just a few miles away from us. And so, and just so, so encouraged. We say this a lot where a lot of times it's hard for you to know that you're part of something like really spectacular when you're in the midst of it and you're in the grind and it just feels like, man, I just show up on Sundays and I kind of want to sleep in, but I'm coming in anyways because I feel a little bit guilty and it's like, no, you, you're part of something. We are part of something. And we really initiated something that like is unparalleled in the last generation or so. Like, I feel like even a little bit, like, should I say that or not? And it's true. Like, it's, it's true. I just don't know if anybody else, like, it's been a part of starting what we've been a part of starting. And, and you should just be really, really thankful uh, to be a part of that. Um, the third thing is I feel like for me, um, I'm not just deeply tired, deeply encouraged, but uh, maybe deeply renewed is the best way to describe the way I feel. And I think particularly renewed in the sense of purpose of why we exist and even like why I exist to play this particular role in the life of the summit, where it's interesting. It's like you kind of, you kind of do this thing and it's just like, a lot of times it's kind of like, what, what do I even do? Like people a lot of times ask me, like, what exactly does a week look like? And I'm like, I'm not sure. You know, like sometimes people assume like I'm a public speaker and sometimes people assume that I'm like a counselor and sometimes people assume I'm running a nonprofit. But I, I don't really feel like I'm primarily any of those things. Like I feel like my job description is primarily to be a fighter, like a fighter for your joy. Like, I feel like that's what I've kind of signed up for. And I think it was just from sitting in this room with guys who are literally all across the country in major urban centers sharing the stories of, of lives being changed and me thinking about you guys and just being like, that, that's, that's why I do what I do. That's why we exist to do what we exist. It's, it's for those of you who are sort of casual, non-committal Christians. It's like my job is to make you feel a little bit uncomfortable and to push you towards commitment and to fight for your joy to give your life radically away to the mission of God advancing. Like I think about those of you and who have done that and have done that for five years since we first started, and you were here from the very first time we met in our living room or meeting in a coffee shop or meeting in the block building down the street. And I think about how, like, for a lot of you, there's this creeping kind of almost desire inside of you to be like, okay, like, I've kind of paid my dues, right? You ever feel that way? Like, all right, I put in five years. I, I worked really hard. Real estate is much cheaper somewhere else. The, the, the challenges of urban living are not existent somewhere else. The, the challenges of needing to be deeply sacrificial and deeply committed are, aren't as high somewhere else. And like this thing is almost like a phase, not a lifestyle. And then my job is to come in here and be like, no, like give your whole life away. Like think about the legacy that you're going to leave. You're making decisions that will have ramifications for multiple generations. And I feel like I'm up here just sort of like fighting for your joy to do what's not particularly comfortable a lot of times, but what is for 
your good and for your children's good and for your children's children's good as well. I, I think about those of you who are exploring Christianity and those of you who are like, even this is sort of a weird thing for you to be a part of right now. You wouldn't think to yourself like, you know what? I just sort of imagine myself as the type of person in church on a Sunday morning when it's cold and there's snow outside. Like, I, I understand that's the case for many of you. I, I was an adult when I became a follower of Jesus and I know what it's like to be an adult and be like, it's really, really weird for me to even be a part of this. And I think about how I get to fight for your joy as well. We collectively fight for your joy to not join an institution, to not kind of be part of some sort of religious sect, but like for you, like we're pushing you to join a family of men and women who have the most important thing in common, the worship and the belief of Jesus Christ. And that's why we exist. That's why I exist. That's why we do this thing in this city is because we love you and we love you even if we haven't met you before because you were created in the image of God and you have dignity, value, and worth. And, and, and we love you. We really, really do. And we want you to have your best life, like not in some sort of weird prosperity, God's going to make all your wildest dreams come true sense, but like ultimately the deepest longings of your heart are satisfied in him and his work alone. Man, I just believe that. Like every single year, I believe that more and more and more. And it's like why we do what we do. And it's why I'll just kind of tell you where I feel like God is taking us. And I'll just be, I'm not going to like condition it. I'm just going to be like really unapologetic about it because like I just, I just believe that us doing hard things, us at the beginning of the new year being like, okay, like boom, like tag, we're back in. We're ready to do this thing. We're going to give our lives away. We're going to give whatever it takes. It's like, man, I. I can do that not because I think we're punishing you, because we're actually fighting for you. That's what I believe. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about where we've been, talk about where we're going, and then um, kind of what does it look like for you to be a part. All right, where we've been, where you're going, and uh, what does it look like to be a part. Um, now, I want to read that, those two verses again. I mean, they've been very, very foundational for us uh, as, a, as a church. Um, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think or ask or imagine according to, the work, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And I wanted to start with that because like, again, it's hard for you when you're in the middle of something really special to, to feel that. And so I almost want to like kind of lead us to take a 10,000 foot view to think about what's happened and to really rejoice that, you know, we started a church with Ephesians 3 being almost kind of like, ooh, we hope this happens. You know, I'm not sure if it will, I'm not sure if it won't. Like, we'll see exactly how this goes. And, like, I was just spending time, I was on the plane flying back, and uh, in the middle of, like, flipping between Dora uh, episodes for my daughter, like, also trying to look back on last the past few years of talks where we've talked about kind of where we're going. And, and what really struck me was that Ephesians 3 is not something we've hoped for, but actually experienced. You know, if you've been part of the summit for any period of time, this, this verse that seems deeply, deeply desirable is actually something that you've experienced if you've been here for any period of time. I, I thought back about how a few years ago, I gave a talk talking about how I believed that we should become rooted in this community. And, and really, it's so funny because I said, you know, Denver's super transient, people are leaving, um, this community needs a church, and so we're going to do this like crazy thing, we're going to like actually go from that side of the wall to this side of the wall, and we're going to renovate this space, and we're going to sign a long-term lease. And it felt like the biggest thing in the world to challenge you guys to think about doing this. And then like later that year, God presents the opportunity not just to rent this space, but to actually own it. And, and we like 
step up and we do it. Like a, a church full of non-committal 20 and 30-somethings are like, yep, we're rooted, we're going to give, we're going to make this happen. And now we like own one of the most significant portions of this neighborhood where it's now impossible to own any of this neighborhood. Like unless you're in the weed business, which we're not. So, um, you know, it's like, <laughs> like, that's not where we're going in 2016 either or ever. But <laughs> man, it's just like, Okay, I think about that. I think about this past year. Like, we asked God for three big things. We asked about us, like, as we grow to be, like, really theologically thoughtful and minded. We talked about launching a two-year series in the Gospel According to Mark, which really freaked me out because, man, most of you hear two years about anything, and you're like, what the heck? That's, like, my whole life. Like, and, and just the response that we've seen from our people to be like, man, I can't wait to get back in the Gospel According to Mark on Valentine's Day. Like, super romantic. Can't wait to get back on that February 14th. Like, let's do another year in this thing. It's been really, really good. I think about how we really desire to be a people that existed for the, the good and the joy of our city and to like be meeting the practical needs of our city. And, and I, even as I talked about that, any of you who are here was like, I don't even know how this is going to happen, but I feel like this is where God is calling us. And I think about this past year, particularly when tragedy has struck our community. And I think about death in this neighborhood. I think about gang violence in this neighborhood. And the people of the summit and even the building of the summit was really utilized in there when life was most difficult for this community. And it's really difficult. Like, I mean, I know, like, especially for those of you who were there on the front lines of death, it's a, it's a hard, hard thing. But man, where else are the people of God supposed to be other than on the front lines of brokenness in its community? Man, it's beautiful. I think about how we ask God to multiply. Um, a lot of you don't know this, but this gathering didn't exist a year ago. Like, we didn't start a morning gathering at the summit until February. It's still January 31st. And I think about how like, a lot of us were like, how is this going to work? I had people come out to me like, what happens if it fails? What happens? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to, you know? And then like, yeah, I mean, look at the people that fill this room. And that we'll have another group of people filling this room this evening. And not just only multiplying gatherings, but we also are planting a church this coming year. That just kind of came out of nowhere. And it was like, okay, we're going to start another church like three miles south of us in Congress Park. And I just look at all that stuff and it's like, God really is the God who can do abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. And that's not just some sort of vague, like, oh, like, put that on a motivational cat poster and, like, let it inspire you. It's like we are living and enjoying that story right here in this room right now. And I just, I just pray for you that, like, God's pattern of fa- past faithfulness would expand your vision of what he can do in the future as well. And his pattern of past faithfulness would expand your vision for what he can do in your future and in our future as we ask him to do more, like our biggest problem. You know, it's funny for me because, like, I feel like I'm kind of a dreamer by nature. And a lot of times I'm like, man, am I I asking for too much? Am I kind of, like, overextending us? And then it's like every year we come to the end, it's like, well, the biggest problem was we didn't dream big enough. (laughs) You know, the biggest problem is we expected not too much from God but too little from God. I wish that would shape us as we think about what is the next chapter for us in the life of our church as well. So that's where we've been. Let's talk about where we're going. And as we talk about where we're going, I really want to push you to maybe pray in particular three big things in the life of the Summit Church. So it would mean a lot to me. A lot of this isn't like the nuts and bolts logistics. It's more of like the major initiatives we're going to take on, and we'll kind of unpack how we're going to do this. Talk about this at the family gathering on Wednesday, but just kind of where I feel like, especially talking to some of our other leaders as well, God is really taking us. So the first thing I'm really asking God for, and I would love to invite you to ask God for for us as well, is that God, you would multiply your presence through us to our city and world. You would multiply your presence through us to our city and world. And for us, I feel like last year, what we were really asking God for was to multiply what was happening in this building 
Um, I feel like this year, what we're really asking God for is to multiply what's happened in here, out there, throughout the entirety of our city, as well as to our world as well. So let me kind of talk to you where we feel like we're going both globally and locally. Now, uh, globally, that's why we have this map here. As you notice, I don't know if you can tell or not, but you can get a close-up look at this map later as well. We have a couple of dots here. We have a dot here in London, England. We have a dot here in Guatemala City. This is Denver right here. I'll come to that here. in a second. Uh, But for us, we really desire to start making a difference on other continents as well. So in London, we're partnering with a church called Trinity West Church. It's about three-ish years old. I was actually in London. I had dinner with the pastor and his family there. Um, He's originally from uh, Northern Ireland, doing an incredible, incredible work there. I don't know if any of you have ever been to London before, but I've just never been anywhere that's as globally influential as that place. Bigger than New York City, five airports, people from all over the world are right there, and they're doing an incredible, incredible work. We're actually looking at taking a trip there. We'll have some details coming out about that as well, but just really have already been demonstrating a pattern of like encouraging them, praying for them, supporting them. They're actually praying for us this morning. I guess it already happened because they're six, seven hours ahead of us. Um, but even Ruben, the pastor there, he emailed me yesterday and was like, hey, Trinity West is praying for the summit tomorrow morning. How can we pray for you? And I just laid out the three things that I'm laying out. So it's just incredible to see what God is doing amongst the nations, not just like for us, for other people, but other people for us as well. We're also going to Guatemala City. Guatemala City is the largest city in Central America. Uh, we're going to be taking a trip there April 4th through 11th. Do we still have spots for that, Andy? Is that still good? So if you want to go, Andy will be where you'll be afterwards. All right, Andy will be at the map afterwards. I would love to talk to you if you're interested in doing this. There's a church there that started around the same time as us who's starting another church, kind of just like we're starting another church this year. And we're going to send a team of people to basically help them and serve them and whatever they need to help them start another church kind of away from their community as well. Uh, locally, uh, we're really excited about a lot of our local partnerships that we'll have. On Wednesday, we'll be talking about a couple of our deacons stepping up and really platforming uh, a couple of particular initiatives in the life of our city. The first is Young Life. That'll be led by Kino. Um, many of you know Kino, and uh, yeah, you guys are super excited too. So yeah, I'm glad everybody else could get excited also. I like the front row excitement here. Um, <clears throat> But for us, we feel like Young Life is a ministry that we really love and support, and many of you have done a great job stepping up and mentoring the kids of this neighborhood. We feel like the most practical needs of this community are actually met through mentorship uh, and long a vision for long mentorship, and so we're really excited about continuing that, as well as we're going to be featuring uh, what one of our deacons, Adrian Vanderberg, is doing in the Denver prison system, that he is one of the two chaplains for the Denver prison system. Uh, and a lot of you are already getting connected of counseling inmates, getting involved with people as they transition out of the judicial system. Uh, and Adrian is doing an incredible, incredible work with that as well. Again, more details to come. I'm just trying to give you a big picture of vision. We're also locally, this is one of the particular things I'm really excited about, we're also planting a church. Uh, it will be led by Corbin Hobbs. Where's Corbin? Are you in here or are you outside? He's, oh, cool. He's in the very back. So everybody could awkwardly stare at you, but he's back there. Uh, hey, will you be at the map afterwards also? Do you have anything to do afterwards? Okay, cool. So Corbin is starting a church. He's spending a year doing a residency with us. With that, we're going to be launching what we call a family of churches, a family of independent but interdependent uh, churches that lock arms together for many years, and really we're praying for many generations uh, for the sake of the advancement of the kingdom to our city. They're only going to be three miles away from us. They're not competition. They're our brothers and our sisters. Some of you are already going. In fact, let me just show you what I'm super, super excited about. Do we have that picture of our first gathering? Do we have that? Okay, so this is like the very first time that the Summit Church gathered. This was five years 
two-ish weeks ago. Um, Twelve people, if you can see, that's my living room. And then there's a dog right in the middle. That's my dog, Penny, there. And so it's really cool. Like about half the people in the picture are even still with us here at the summit. And then Corbin posted this picture on Instagram uh, last week where I think I counted there's 12 people and a dog as well. So like, oh, like the, the way that any good church in Denver starts is exactly in that way. We believe that's the normative pattern of church planting uh, in Denver. But yeah, I just looked at this picture and like, oh, like thanks be to God that not only, I mean, it's funny because I look at that picture and I'm not just like, thanks be to God that we're a part of this and encouraging this, but thanks be to God, I even see some familiar faces in there where I'm like, we baptize you and now you're leaving us to help start another church somewhere else in this city. Oh, man, it's, like, painful, right? It's, like, I always want to be about us. But, like, here's the thing we've learned is the nature of true sacrifice is giving up what you love in exchange for what you love even more. And as much as I love for us becoming really, really big and measuring our success by our seating capacity, what's even more beautiful is measuring our success by our sending capacity, whether it's to the very ends of the earth or whether it's, like, three miles away. All right. So, God, multiply your presence through us to our city and world. Second, God, let our church grow in the most difficult, beautiful way possible. I want to grow in the most difficult, beautiful way possible. I feel like the most difficult things are usually, a lot of times, the most beautiful things as well. And here's kind of my heart in this, is that for us, as we gain further legitimacy in our city, it would be very easy for us to grow exclusively by already established Christians finding us. Now, let me say this. If that's you and you're here, we love you, okay? So we're not trying to, like, say, get the heck out of here. We don't, we don't believe that whatsoever. Some of the best stories I've experienced, I got another one of these a couple of weeks ago of somebody who had walked with Jesus and then kind of fallen away for a period of time and then got connected to the summit, and she, like, totally renewed her vision of the goodness and the mission and the movement of God in her life. So, like, we want to do that. Or even if you're, like, really healthy and you just moved here and you found us, like, we love you. You matter to us. You matter just as much as anybody else because you're created in the image of God and you have dignity, value, and worth. We're glad that you're here. But just, I just want to say this. It's the most difficult way to grow a church is through seeing people who aren't Christians become Christians. It is. It's, like, the hardest way to grow the church because, like, man, some of you are coming in and you're already established and you're just making sure, like, we have sound doctrine and a plan to impact our city, and we do. I mean, I, I want us, I want us to be impacted by the chief shepherd, Jesus, who leaves the 99 for the sake of reaching the one lost sheep who has wandered away. And, and, and just as God has treated us, because that is you, that is your story, if you are in Christ, like you didn't just sort of wander and you didn't just grow up in a Christian home. It's not just the environment you grew up around. No, it's God's saving, pursuing grace that has made you write the story that you're writing and that we, just as we have been recipients of grace, we would be distributors of grace in the lives of the men and women who have been entrusted to us as well. And it's just a burden for me. It's like, man, when we first started, we didn't have any opportunity other than to be evangelistic. When you're 12 people in a living room, like the only people who will show up are the people who are like, yep, you won me to the faith. Everybody else is like, you guys are crazy. Like, tell me when you have a couple hundred people and then I'll be there. And I just want us to like, Keep that passion for you to even think in your own life if you're a follower of Jesus. Okay, this coming year, maybe I don't need to baptize 50 people, but like, what if you baptize two? Like, what if you just thought about two people in your job or in your neighborhood where it's just like, you know what, I'm going to start like really praying for this person and developing a relationship with this person, inviting them to the summit and being part of their lives when they invite me to be a part of something as well. And what if, just like we're doing baptisms next week, what if you, just in the coming months or years, were baptizing friends, neighbors, and coworkers that have been entrusted to you as well? That's what we desire. I don't, I don't even want to do the baptizing. I want to be baptizing I'm le- people I'm leading to faith. I want you to be baptizing people that you're leading to faith as we collectively lock arms for the sake of advancing the Great Commission to the very ends of the earth.
All right, so I'm really burdened for that as well. Third, God, let your supremacy be further reflected in our diversity. Like, let your supremacy be further reflected in our diversity. This is the one that's like the rawest for me. I'm going to talk about race, so that's a good thing to talk off the cuff about. Um, I'm just joking. Um, man, but like, this burdens me. Like, like, let me just, I really desire for us to start being on a trajectory that we are more generationally and racially diverse in our future. And the driving motivation for that is not because, like, diversity is kind of, like, the cool thing right now. It won't be, again, I mean, just this is one of the benefits of getting a history degree is, like, there's a day coming where it won't be. And the church will have to be a voice in the wilderness saying, no, like, diversity is a good and important thing. That's not the driving motivation. The driving motivation is that diversity, the diversity around something reflects that something's supremacy and its beauty. And here's what I mean by this. Like, so my daughter is from Taiwan. We adopted her a little over a year ago. And I don't know if any of you have been kind of in that part of the world, but Taiwan was a really difficult place for me to navigate. Um, everyone could tell I wasn't from there, believe it or not. Um, the language, like there are, I don't know if any of you know Mandarin, but there are like no linguistic bridges between English and Mandarin. So you're just like totally helpless. You can't be like coffee shop because that's not like, it's not like Spanish with cafe or something like that. So I literally was holding pieces of paper where somebody I trusted had written down where I'm supposed to go and like hand it to people and be like, take me here, please, and don't like kill me, okay? So like let's, so I mean, it's just like this, like I, I have never been anywhere where I feel like I have less in common with people. Uh, and then there's this day where like I'm walking around kind of where Hannah was living and I see this dude wearing a Denver Broncos t-shirt. Um, which was like the craziest thing because the NFL is not very big in Taiwan. It's not big in Taiwan at all. And it was like this guy and me were like long lost brothers. Like like this little this guy, I mean he who grown up in Taiwan, he spoke almost no English whatsoever, but somehow he had like fallen in love with the Broncos and I love them. I'm like, I live right next to the stadium and he can't like comprehend this. And it's like we've never met and I'm like, I still remember this guy. And that guy's probably telling stories about the crazy white dude that he met randomly and like right outside Taipei in the same way. And it's just like, man, like the power, for example, of like a sports team to unite people who seem to have nothing in common together in one place. And it's like, that's what I believe. Like, it's like, I'm not going to come with you with a Michael Scott diversity day talk here, okay? Like, like I'm not going to come at you even like I really have all the answers. To be honest, this is of all the initiatives, the one where I'm like, I really don't know what to do other than to be honest that like, I really desire in the future for the summit to be a place that is diverse both generationally and racially as a sheer reflection. Like it reflects like a mirror the supremacy and the majesty of our God who created us in his image. And it's like we're going to do some things like I've started to become friends with a guy who's become a leading voice about this nationally named D.A. Horton. I hung out with him this past week. I'm going to try to get him here and talk to us. But I think a lot of it is just like prayer. It's just like, like the more and more I do this, the more and more I see the complexity of this issue and the disgruntled hipster who's like, yeah, let's just be more diverse. It's like, okay, we'll have some non-white friends, stop hanging at all white places, start being humble, okay? Like, we're not going to take that posture. We're thinking years, especially as I've brought the complexity of this issue in my home, and like, I have a daughter who doesn't look like me, I see issues of race in particular are unbelievably complex and personal. 
But I just feel like as one of our leaders, I just need to put it out there to say, like, we desire this, and we're asking God to do this. And here's what I believe. I believe that someday in the future, God is going to do this, and we're going to say, like, we do. It's just another sign. It's just another sign that we follow the God who does abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. Like, that's my confidence in it. And we won't be able to take any credit because my whole vision pitch was like, I have no idea what to do with this. <laughs> All right? So write that in your journal and remember this day. Okay. Um, third. Third, uh, how how you can be a part, right? So we talked about uh, what, where we've been. We're talking about where we're going. And then third, like how you can be a part of what it is that we're doing. Um, and I want to talk to three different types of people in the room. So I want to talk first to those of you who aren't followers of Jesus or who don't belong here. I, that sounds harsh. Like, you don't belong here. I don't mean it like that. I mean it like um, you haven't committed to be here yet. I just want to talk to you first. And I want to challenge you to make a unique commitment for the sake of writing a unique story with your life. And I would love to challenge you to make a unique commitment for the purpose of you uh, writing a unique story with your life. Here's the deal is that a commitment to a church in Denver is a crazy, it's a crazy countercultural thing. We joke about this a lot, but you want to be a rebel? Join an evangelical church in Denver. Um, man, like, Anybody can smoke weed in Denver. Anybody can go skiing every weekend in Denver. Anybody can, like, give their whole life to the bar scene in Denver. But, man, if you're committed to a church here, you're, like, maybe 5% of the population, but probably less of that, less than that. So, like, you can call your parents and tell them you're a rebel. You're doing, like, the craziest thing. You, you joined a church, right? Man, it's a really unique commitment. We say this a lot. Like, the one thing people in Denver are committed to is not being committed to anything, and you got that whole fear of missing out thing, and what if something else happens, and I want to keep my options open. I get all of that. I get all of that. And I think a lot of those fears are super, super legitimate. Man, I, I, just, I just, the more and more I do this, we're five years in now, the more and more I believe that the front door into you writing a unique story with your life is you making a unique commitment with your life, in particular, a unique commitment, not just to Jesus, but to his church as well. And so I'd love to challenge you to think about, even this morning, you kind of getting off the sidelines and saying, I'm ready to participate. And even if you're kind of open to doing that, here's the thing, is like we give you guys cards when you come in. We don't push these a whole lot. But there's a thing right here that you can tear off like this. If you didn't get one of these, there's one in the lobby. And you can just say, like, I'm ready to take the next step. I would love to challenge some of you to think about getting baptized next Sunday. Yeah, like next Sunday. You're like, whoa, I want to, like next Sunday, let's make a commitment. Let's get started writing a unique story with your life. I'd love to think about, challenge you to think about joining the church. And maybe you can't even come to the summit class. Maybe it's the type of thing that, like, I would love to meet with a pastor and talk about that. That's fine. Well, we care so much about this. We'll come and we'll bring the summit class to you. You tell us where you want to meet, and we will come to you, and we'll talk about it. And maybe it, maybe it just means you actually just making the decision to like explore what it is you actually believe. I understand that right now it's culturally popular to kind of be like, yeah, I'm not really sure. I don't really have strong beliefs. I'm open-minded. I say this quote a lot because it's so applicable to our generation, but like G.K. Chesterton, he said, the point of an open mouth is the same point of an open... Uh, the point of an open mind is the same point of an open mouth to shut down on something solid. And we believe that person that you are meant to shut your mind down upon the person who is solid enough for you to make your commitment about is the person in the work of Jesus Christ. All right, so I'd love to challenge you to do that. Second, I, I, for those of you who are maybe here and your members and like kind of the things you originally committed to, you kind of drifted away from, here's what I'm going to commit you to or challenge you towards. I want you to demonstrate normal faithfulness and daily life that God will make a supernatural difference. I want you to think about normal faithfulness in daily life 
And through that, a confidence that God will make a supernatural difference. I think a lot of times in these talks, it's easy for you to feel maybe guilty or I should be doing more. And then you kind of resolve to be like, okay, this week I'm giving away all my money and I'm sharing my faith with all my friends. And then by Tuesday, you're tired and you're like back kind of on the sidelines again. We want you to start demonstrating a life of normal faithfulness with the belief that God, the one who's able to do abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine, is capable of taking that natural faithfulness and doing something supernatural with it. That really is the story of the Summit Church. And so I would love to challenge you to say, like, what if this year you actually prioritize gathering with us on a weekly basis? I'm not saying, like, you're here 52 Sundays out of 52 Sundays, but, like, you're like, this is a really huge priority in my life. What if you really gave yourself to your city group? What if you really actually tithe your money so we can be generous in the ways we desire to be generous? What, what if you shared your faith? Like, what if you actually prioritize impacting one to two people that make you feel a little bit uncomfortable and stretches you to actually pray for them as opposed to exclusively just have fun around them as well. The, you making that decision, you demonstrating normal generosity, you demonstrating normal evangelistic behavior, you demonstrating normal faithfulness just to be here or be at your city group, those are the things that God, who is able to do far more abundantly than we could ever ask or imagine. I'm going to say it like seven more times so you actually believe it. He takes those things and he uses them to make a supernatural difference in and around us as well. All right, third and finally, this is for those of you who have been here for a long time, okay? And long, this is the funny thing about a young church, long is like two years. So um, (laughs) I want you to have a vision not just to start well, but to finish well, with a real vision of leaving a legacy. I want you to have a vision not just to start well, but to finish well, with a real vision of, of finishing a legacy. My friends who have been with us for any period of time what we have signed up for is not normal. It is uniquely difficult. It's uniquely hard. I have wept more than I would have ever thought I would have wept. Um, I have suffered, and we have suffered more than we ever thought that we would have suffered. Um, I feel like what first got us into this thing was kind of like, Denver seems like a cool place to live, and startups are popular right now. And now it's like, no, it's, we're, we're in something far richer and deeper and, and better than that sort of selfish vision. And we're not trying to dim- diminish the hardness for you. I'm not trying to diminish the difficulty of, you know, if, if you're raising kids like we are away from family, the difficulty of raising kids away from their, their grandparents. Uh, I'm not trying to diminish the difficulty of the cost of living here in the city and how expensive it's become, particularly since we first moved here, where it seemed like super affordable. I'm not trying to diminish any of the, 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 the glorious difficulties of urban living whatsoever. But we love you, and I, because I'm fighting for your joy, would love to challenge you, not just to start well, but to finish well. To think long about your life, and to think that you are making decisions today, and this week, and this year, that will have ramifications for multiple generations in the lives of the people that love them, that you love the most. And it burdens me because I'll just meet with people who just like, boom, they just decide to move out of nowhere because like they saw an advertisement for some place or they got like a discount on a house someplace. And it's just like, you know, it saddens me so much when people make decisions like that. It saddens me so much when people build their life's cause around being close to family. It saddens me so much when I see people follow the money. It saddens me so much when safety is the primary uh, like uh, reason that somebody will architect their life in a particular way. And it's like, because we see a better future for you. A better future 
where you give not just a phase of your life, but your entire, the entirety of your life to seeing the mission of God advance in the nooks and crannies of a city that so desperately, desperately needs it. And I believe, I believe with my whole heart, which is why I've given my whole life to this, that when you and I, when we finish, when we limp across, bruised, battered, and a lot of times broken, when we finish and cross the finish line of life, we will not be ashamed but we will see the one who saved us and he will say to us, well done, good and faithful servant, and we will not live a life that has been wasted whatsoever. Let's not just start well, but let's finish well. And let's do so that we, that we live this life underneath the confidence and the guiding hand of the one who's able to do far more abundantly than we could ever ask or imagine. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for who you are, and we thank you um, for what you've done in the life of our, our church. And I pray that we would be amazed. I pray that we would even celebrate, because I know that like, even my own tendency a lot of times is to, to kind of take the good things for granted and then all of a sudden assume that we should be on to the next thing. And I pray that we wouldn't do that. I pray even next Sunday would be a time of sort of exclusive celebration and thankfulness for, for what you've done in and among us, and even just appreciation uh, for the men and women who, who have chosen to write a really hard story with their lives. But it is a good story. A- and the reason that I believe that I really can like push the men and women of the summit who are considering being part of the summit towards this is because I really do believe that this is a life that is truly life. The one who loses their life for your sake will find life. The one who tries to keep it for anything else other than that will lose it. And let us believe that we are giving ourselves away to the one great cause that we were created to give ourselves to. We just ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.